What's going on, fanboys and fangirls? It's Mike and Mark here, back from a little uh, vacay from 4th of July, and we are bringing in a new structure to the LRM TV podcast. We basically have heard your reviews, your comments, and criticisms, and kind of worked around what seems to work and what doesn't. Um, this week's episode, we're going to focus on the Power Rangers and talk about that in kind of a little bit of depth. Mark did his research, I did a little bit of mine, kind of going into why what made this show so popular and why um, it's lasted as long as, as it has. And why not choose one of the greatest franchises of all time that has spanned the globe, has an f- ultimate following, multiple movies, multiple TV you know shows out of it and different reincarnations of it and that would be the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Okay. So majority of people should know that the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the American series was actually a branch off of the Japanese TV show based based on the Super Sentai series. Um, this is a question you mark. Do you know when the first season of Super Sentai was made oh man that is a good question i actually i don't but i'm gonna take a stab at it so it it had to have come obviously before mighty more oh let's see it would so let's see mighty morphin started in 93 right um 93 i'm gonna say 88 older than that what no um first yeah series was 1975. 75? Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Impressive. Himutsu Sentai Gringer, I believe is how you pronounce it. Okay. So, um, a, created by Shotaro Ishimori, um, he created the series in 1975, and basically it took off as a, as a TV show, and the concept originally um, was to be kind of this, you know, this version to you know translate the um kaiju the the, the big monsters of mm-hmm. godzilla and so forth but in a television series and so the kaijus had already been basically done and done in the movie realm with godzilla so shitaro basically says well i can create a team of you know of people to control robots because one of the big villains in the godzilla movies was Mecha Godzilla, who yeah. was an alien space robot and so forth, and it took off. So he thought, why don't I just create it and flip it? So instead of the kaiju being the hero, you know, Godzilla being the hero, we'll make the team that controls the robots the hero and taking down the monsters. So that took off. Um, and he sold the rights to it after two seasons to um, a toy a company. Um, who collaborated with Marvel. They kind of put the, the, the show on ice for a couple seasons, and the Marvel, along with the Toei company, tried to create a Spider-Man live-action um, TV show in Japan. Never took off, couldn't get anything going for it. And so after that kind of got scrapped, then... Um, the toy company went back to its rights of, that they bought from Shatoshita and started the Sentai series once again after a two-season hiatus. And going on from there, it you know in 1979, it basically stood the test of time in Japan and goes on still today. Um, you know, and it's had 
multiple movies being made. Um, you know, you think that there's a, a ton of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movies that are made, then you have no idea. There's ridiculous uh, amounts of theatrical movies and straight-to-video movies that have been made from the Sentai series. But you are correct. The 1993 was the, the original um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series. And basically, it comes from the 1992 season of the Super Sentais. Um, and that's how basically we get our Power Rangers shows, is that we take the seasons before of the Sentais and adapt them to the American version of it. Um, which kind of shocked me. I thought they were, like, when looking back at it, so I kind of rewatched some of season one. And I know it's 2017, but looking at back at it, I, it looks like some of the sort of video that they use and the screenshots a lot older than that. Than yeah, no, I, no I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, you know, so really they got the ball rolling here in uh, the United States and like you said, 93. Um, and yeah, you know, I looked back at season one and, and two and, you know, I definitely agree with that. It's just, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it just seems, I don't know, like I'm, like I'm watching like an old VHS of it or something. You know what I mean? Right. It did not like seem scratchy. like, yeah, it, it's, it's so in 1993 when I'm watching, I'm, I believe, believe in the fifth grade, if I can remember correctly, yeah. I did not, you know, think. I, I thought that there was state-of-the-art type of television. Like, this is amazing. How did they get these, you know, giant robots to, you know, to, to work and fight and so forth? And then I look at it today, I'm like, wow. You know, <laughs> I was really jaded, you know, when watching right. television. Yeah. Well, I was watching uh, an episode today because I was going back and I looked up a couple of my favorite ones. Um, and it was so funny because the Dragon Zord was coming up out of the water. And then it like panned over to the these guys. Like, remember how Dragonzord came up out of like, all almost off the I don't know. It was like right off the coast. There was like um like a dock or something. Right, there, right. It was always and, water, no matter where they were. Oh, the Dragonzord came out of water. And then it was like splashing the the, the like crewmen, and you like could clearly tell that it was not the same place. And like the water was like coming from the wrong direction. It was hilarious. Oh yeah, it, that was the funny thing with some of the like. Because they had to reuse so many shots over yep. and over and over again, um, that really, that it kind of got hilarious. When you look, or, and it gets funny when you look back at it. Is that you see some of the shots, like the dragon zord always coming out of water. They could be in the middle of the desert, and the dragon zord's coming yep. out of water. Oh um, yeah, you know the the, the some of the same fights you will notice over the same like over multiple shows with with the putties they'll be fighting in the desert but then you'll see a couple shots of you know the the power rangers fighting the the putties in you know downtown la and so forth and stuff like that and yeah it's it, it was really funny so the, the the main concept the transfer transfer from sentai to americanization was that the super sentai series, series was actually a more adult oriented type show had darker themes but you know darker elements to it so when fox kids announced that they were going to bring the power rangers over they were making it a saturday morning cartoon show and so you can you know 
you can bet your bottom dollar that the, the head honchos of Fox Kids were like, there's no way we can show, you know, these adult themes, which they weren't, you know, over the top, but they were pretty scary and pretty intense. So they had a read, read show. So uh, all of the storylines of the, uh, what do you want to call it? The, um, the human version without, you know, the suits on or whatever. Yeah. They had to be all redone and had to be more gimmicky and more, um, tone to to young kids. So, well, and the crazy part is, I mean, even with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the huge thing that they went through, even in season one, was the amount of backlash they got for using weapons and right. violence. And I mean, there was a huge backlash over that. If you think about it, it's even tamed down because in in season one of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, remember they they used their weapons, like each one has a specific weapon. And then if you kind of pay close attention in season two and then into three, um, they either didn't have them at all or not even close to what they did. Before. Right. Uh, one of the best examples of that is they, in the Super Sentai series, the the characters had, you know, motorcycles. They had uh, their weapons. They had the guns. They had the, the Zords. They had all these different weapons to put in place. And then in the American version... They had their weapons. They 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 rarely ever use the blasters. First episode oh, yeah. was the first yeah. time they used the blast blaster. And I think somebody you know went through and watched every little show from the you know original series and basically counted it down to showing that they only used the blasters a total of like five times. Right. Um, and then one of the concepts was that the weapons that they were given the the axe, the the sword, and so forth could be put together and used as like like a cannon. That mm-hmm. was only used two or three times because of the backlash, like you said, from parents, you know, upset about them using guns and everything. So they really, you know, work around a lot of that, that stuff and a lot of the things that um, you would see from the show, the Sentai series, how to be basically scrapped. So in the American version, the only way the rangers could ever win to get away around the whole weapons issue was with using the zords where in the sentai series it was kind of a mixture you know some mm. some weeks it would be the zords would help them out and they would be able to take out the monster some weeks it would be you know the the rangers using their mo- uh, motorcycles or using their weapons or using their blasters and so forth how to you know go get scrapped all the way so they reworked the script to fit more, more Saturday morning cartoon. Then they had to find a cast um, that was when they uh, auditioned for the cast that'd be multicultural. Uh, I remember hearing you know a couple of the cast members in a press conference talk about how like you had to know either gymnastics or you had to know uh, martial arts. They were looking for one African American male, um, one Asian girl, one white girl, uh, a guy who looked nerdy and then a jock and then that was it that that was kind of their blend blend of multiculturalism at the time which is shocking <laughs> um uh. but they they you know you know all the the main actors from the series have to do their own scenes re you know redo the entire storyline and then they have to go into uh dubbing and go into the studio and dub in the lines for the uh, Japanese um, images and, and shots that they were using. And like you said, we were talking about this earlier, you said that basically 
that was the toughest part, you know, trying to match up the words with the timing of the action sequence from the, the Japanese uh, fight scenes and so forth. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I think uh, I had watched an interview with, I think it was David Yost to uh, play Billy, uh, the Blue Ranger, and he had just said that, um, because I think out of outside of um, Jason David Frank, I think he was the longest serving actor on the series, I think. Uh, but anyways, he um, he would say like, you know, he, they would have to match it up to each frame that was already there. So and also the different like mannerisms, you know, however they were like, you know, whatever they were fighting, they had to get the words in before obviously the frame changed um, or they had to time it upright. So they didn't say it too quick. And then there was like some dead air. So they had said that that was actually the most difficult part that they really kind of had to deal with because, you know, you'd have to do numerous, you know, numerous takes just to kind of figure that out. Robert Axelrod at uh, Dragon Con I was at last year basically told me that, he would get these scripts that were five to six pages long to fill in for all of the Lord Zed scenes. And the actor who actually played inside the costume would get the same script. The problem is, is that the, that the thing of how they would say their lines would be so different because Axelrod wanted, you know, you know, uh, you know, his voice into it and give it fear and give it, you know, his persona of Lord Zed that it would come off as the words would be you know more drawn out where the the actor playing inside of the the costume of Lord Zed would go through it and just kind of say all right here it is here's the lines blah 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 and then move forward well then that would leave Axelrod with basically no time to say the lines and that became such an issue that these five pages of scripts would basically get cut down to a page and a half two pages and ultimately that's how he spent majority majority of his career as Lord Dead was, okay, give me five pages of script, I cut it down and re reworked about two pages, um, which is got to be the most frustrating thing of a voice yeah. actor, I would have to say, is every single day knowing that you're going in and, and basically cutting everything out. So, All right, so Mighty Morphin Power Rangers premieres 1993. What do you think made more money... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers toys or Wall Street? <laughs> oh my gosh. The, yeah, seriously, because those toys, I mean, it's funny. I remember you saying this a little bit ago, like even talking about like the blasters. So like you said, the blasters were used in maybe a total of like five episodes, right. give or take. And do you remember the blasters also turned into like little, they're like daggers. daggers? Yep. Yeah. So not only that, but I mean, they sold those. Oh Remember yeah. That? Oh yeah. They sold. I mean, they sold Power Rangers everything. They sold everything. My gosh. And do you remember the action figures were bigger than most action figures? Yes, at that, that time was too? the like, I, like that was the appeal of the the Power Rangers action figures was that they were, they were bigger. Huge. They were um, multi multi so you could you know move them around a lot more. Yeah. The standard GI Joe action figure. Um, yeah. It. it I I only had a, an opportunity to get two, Red Ranger and Black Ranger when they first came out, and then that was it. There was every time I would go to the mall or we'd 
be close to a Toys R Us. I'd beg my parents to go and try to, you know, see if I could find anything. And there was never anything available. Maybe like a, like one of those little six inch action figures I would find laying on the floor um, of Rita Repulsa or something like that. But that that was the hardest, the hardest thing to find were Power Rangers, you know, legit action figures or even the, the Zords. So my grandma was awesome and <laughs> she would like always be on the hunt, right? And she, I, I don't know how she did it. It was probably her, you know, you know, her, her Czech heritage. But she would like, I don't know, go into like Hearts. Do you remember Hearts? The yeah. stores? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if she'd like talk to people to find out when their shipments were coming. I don't know. But I had a Green Ranger, right? I had a Green Ranger with a Dragon Zord, like all of that. That was the only way you get the Green Ranger was with the Dragon Zord. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. It was so awesome. But the thing that was the coolest about that was is that you could take off Tommy's shield yep. and put it on the other Rangers. Yep. Which was so awesome. Like that, that was just the coolest thing to me. I didn't get a Green Ranger till literally like maybe four or five years afterwards, and I I, oh. I stopped watching the show. And, yeah. But I happened to be in a Kmart, and they had the Dragon Zord with the Green Ranger in it, and I was like, you know what, damn it, you know I don't care how. I think I was in almost a, a freshman in high school, and I saw it, and I was like, I gotta have it, and, and yeah. that's it. Um, it's and awesome. You better believe I played with that thing more than anything else. Um, all all throughout high school and college. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! I mean, sure. just and the and remember how like the Zords would change, like you could morph them into other with other oh, Zords. Yeah, yeah so Absolutely. I only had the I only had the Dragon Zord, so I couldn't morph it with anything else. So I was like, well, screw this! I'm just gonna live it up with the Dragon Zord. It was awesome, but right. the thing was, wasn't Tommy like the, the the Green Ranger was like the same size as the Dragon Zord? Oh yeah, it was big. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. I mean yeah, um, and then. They speaking of the the guns, the the hottest item which I was able to nab before I got the dragon sword was the green green rangers dagger. Oh, that, the dagger! That's yeah, awesome. you would press the button and it would do the little flute thing and call the, mm-hmm. the dragon sword. Um, so we have my family and I happen to be down in Miami visiting my relatives and going to a Toys R Us like always, you know, being a kid. I happened to find it. I bought it. Well, you better believe I played that damn flute <laughs> nonstop from the minute we left Miami all the way back up to Atlanta, Georgia, where I lived at the time. I thought my dad was going to kill me. He literally stopped, stopped. Oh, he stopped the car, you know, and, go, and got interstate and said, son, if you don't stop play, playing the damn th- that damn toy, I'm going <laughs> to throw it out in the, in the interstate run. You'll never see it again. I said, sure. Got it. You got it. Yep. <laughs> So I had I didn't have the Green Rangers dagger. I had the White Rangers saber. Oh, the Saba, Saba, yeah, Saba had the Saba sword. Oh yeah, it was pretty cool. But it was the same sort of thing because you remember how he uh, he could talk, right? Like it was the same sort of thing. I would do that, and yeah, my I think my parents probably hid it from me for a while. I want to say, but probably a smart move on their part. Right. So interesting fact about the Rangers is that. The ratings for the shows and the critics, you know, you know uh, of the show basically were subpar, mediocre at best. The the kids basically watched the show just to watch the show, but the toys sold out. And that Saban and Fox, with the revenue that they were making from the toy sales, basically financed every single season. And that's the only, not the only reason, but it is the main reason 
why we still have Power Rangers shows today. Um, at, at one point in time, the Saban uh, is, is, has sold the rights away to Disney, and for about a, uh, and I think it was two thousand three, right ish, and it was for about yeah. like a seven year span. Yeah. Disney had the rights to it and basically used it as a Disney tool to to sell toys. Um, And then Saban picks it back up and tries to reboot it. Doesn't work to its potential. It's shown on Nickelodeon still today. But what they've tried to do in the past couple years is bring back older uh, Rangers to the show. So they had a a multi-show event where... They had this ridiculous end scene where like where like oh two hundred of the old Power Rangers were on it and Tommy was on there with some of the the classic you know Power Rangers from all the different seasons and so forth and so they're trying to revamp it to try to get some of the older generation back into the shows. Um, well, but, also when he when he got it back um, in two thousand ten. Yep. Uh, yeah, in two thousand ten, when he got it back, if you kind of look, so there were Power Rangers, uh, Samurai and Super Samurai, Power Rangers Mega Force, Super Mega Force, Dino Charge, uh, Dino Supercharge, and then Ninja Steel. And even if you look at a lot of those, it tone wise, but then also. It's using some of the same ideas as it had originally. So when kind of the first era hit right before Disney um, bought them, um, you know, the each season kind of um, it connected to the season before. Right. Right. And then when Disney bought it, each season was just like its own separate. Yes. Almost world. Like an anthology show type deal. Right. And then so when he got it again it slowly kind of picked back up where like i said not only tone wise but then it's also um starting to connect again which i think probably helps it out a little bit yeah i mean um being able to bring it back and tie it into the old shows definitely helps the fan base and the audience and it's kind of like the you know Kids today being able to, you know, talk about it with their parents and so forth by connecting it back with the older. So, like, if my daughters, when they get a little bit older, start getting into Power Rangers, I can at least now explain to them, you know, my version of the Power Rangers, how they're still tied together and so forth. Um, It was a smart idea. Uh, Another thing that Disney didn't do a whole lot of was that when during this time that it owned it is didn't really branch out. uh, So during the the Fox Saban era, they, they, you know, the toys, there was video games, um, you know, you name it, there was something with Power Rangers on it. You couldn't escape the Power Rangers brand. And then Disney takes it and just kind of brings it back in and just says, all right, we're just going to sell toys and we're going to have the show. But then so Saban to back up in 2010, now you kind of see that re-eclipsing again and where you're seeing now a, a development of, you know, we had, we had the, the movie that just came out in theaters and now on dvd they're expanding it into a video game we might get another sequel which it looks like probably is going to happen well especially because the thing that's pushing it on right now are the dvd sales and the toy sales right exactly and so you know a lot of people pan the movie i i I don't know what did what did you think about the most recent power rangers movie 
I mean, I thought it from a nostalgic sense, I thought it was fine because I think it, it was very much like, you know, the first episode. Um, but, you know, I, I think for me, I think where people probably have, um, I guess, a little bit of an issue is I thought they spent a fairly long time on the exposition like getting to know yes, the characters yes. and, and and i think that's that's fine because i did really like some of the characters but between it being the characters from mighty Morphin power rangers which i feel like a majority of people probably know and if they don't i still don't think you need to spend as much time as they did on the character development you know because what you only really saw about 30-ish minutes of the Power Rangers. Right. So I think that's probably where it gets some of the heat from. But I actually think a sequel would be better because you already have all that established. Right. I like I compared it a lot to like Batman Begins, where in Batman sure, Begins right. we got a lot of Bruce Wayne, you know, become very last like what 20 minutes, 25 minutes yeah. where we actually got to see Batman. And that was, you know, the same thing with this movie is that we got a lot of character development. And, and I think concept was is that, is that, you know, and Saban and, you know, the, the head honchos of, you know, had basically stated that the plan was was for seven movies or something ridiculous like that. So right. if you're going to plan it out for that many movies, you might as well, you know, take your time and develop these characters. Because if they're going to be around for a while, you might you, you need to know who they are and you know and really dive into what makes them who they are and so i can understand that but yeah and i think their point of doing that as well i mean aside from obviously wanting to make money blah 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 but i think the other thing is too if you look back you know predominantly throughout the power ranger history the good um i would say that the best episodes were all you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven parters. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And so, I, you know, if they're smart, that's kind, of, and that's the way they kind of ended the movie and all that. So, I mean, it makes sense. They just maybe have to really push on through that first one. You know, right. So, it, it's it's an exact opposite, actually, of the '95 movie. The '95 five. Mm-hmm. It was fast paced. It was it was here comes Ivan Ooze, aka Apocalypse. Um, you know, and he takes out the old Zords. The new Rangers go off on this journey to find new Zords. Then they take out Ivan Ooze. Bam, save the day. It's over. You know, and that movie got panned big time. Which ultimately, it wasn't a movie. It was just a very long extended right. episode of the TV show. I mean. Take it what it is, but it was an opportunity to make a lot of money because I think that, you know, at that time it was it was in the top ten or you know of highest highest movies of that year ninety five when it came out, which was ridiculous. So, um, um, really quick, just to um. See, it was ninety five, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think ninety seven was when Turbo came out. Yeah, it was ninety five for the uh, movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Okay. <clears throat> it made $38 million at the end of the year um, and finished 45th. But still, think about it. That movie made $38 million. It's yeah. just straight off of kids. Now, this competing with Toy Story, Batman Forever, Apollo 13, Pocahontas, Ace Ventura, the sequel, GoldenEye, Jumanji, Cast Pass, Seven, Die Hard with Vengeance, Crimson Tide. And we could go on. There was a lot of great, wow. great movies in 1995. And it finished 45th, but it made $38 million domestically. With mm. Toy Story making uh, $191 million domestically. You know, although it was panned, it still made a ton of money. Yeah. Because if you watch that movie, I love it, but the graphics on it, you can definitely tell, or TV style graphics that there was very little money involved in the cgi and so forth for that movie i mean i know you rank you know the mighty morphin power rangers movie the fir first one like top five five of all time yeah know. probably like it's two, better three. than citizen kane you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah i agree it, it's an extended you know uh, to today's standards that 95 movie would have been straight to dvd movie if if I think if the ninety five version was released today. Wouldn't had a bigger impact pact. The nineteen ninety five Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie or the two thousand seventeen Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movie. I think two thousand seventeen because Really? I, I well I think it depends on what the purpose is. So I think this the 2017 movie is going to have a bigger impact in revitalizing the series, whereas in 95, the series was still strong. So I, I think it just, I mean, I think it added to what was already there, and it kind of gave proof that, like, all right, this is, you know, let's keep rolling with this sort of thing, um, even though, like you said, technically... As a movie, it may not have done well, but at the same time, it still was fine for the franchise, you know? But I think the point of the 2017 version was really to bring together the past audience with a newer audience and really kind of jumpstart it again. Do you think it jumpstarted? The Rangers franchise. Um, no, uh, I would have said no, but like all that I'm reading about, like the toy sales and this and that, it, you know, it just, I don't think jumpstart is the right word, but I, I mean, it did something. Um, I, do, I don't think it's what they really set it out to do. Like I said, I think their idea was to really kind of um, connect the old audience and engage the new audience. Or I'm sorry, the old audience with a new audience and to kind of, you know, really get it moving again. I don't necessarily think that happened. Um, you know, did some other some other individuals or some other kids kind of 
you know, get involved because they like the movie, maybe, but I don't think it was quite the extreme they were going for. Gotcha. I, I think the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, Rangers movie in 95 had a bigger impact. And the only, only reason why I say that is because it launched a new version of Zords that basically once the movie came out, everybody wanted to go get. Um, and it kind of established the Power Rangers as something that's going to be around for a while. Because, you know, it, it had done two seasons so far uh, on television. The popularity was good. But this kind of solidified itself as, okay... We are a kids franchise. We've tackled and dominated the the, the television or d- d- toy industry, video game industry. Not saying they tackle and just destroy the movie industry because because it didn't make that much money. Um, but you know, for the budget that it was made for, which I'm gonna probably assume was in less than you know around ten million dollars. And domestically, for it to make thirty-eight million is a great return. Or this previous Power Ranger movie, I believe, was a hundred million dollars to make, and mm-hmm. uh, domestically it didn't even pass that. I know it didn't pass a hundred million, so it needed a foreign market. But like you said, it's all about toy sales, and if kids are buying the toys, that's going to make up for it in the long run because you know the movie industry, you know, makes its money, you know, ultimately from tick ticket sales. But if you can also sell toys that are being made for pennies and you're selling them for nine, ten dollars or fifteen dollars, right. then shoot, you know, you're gonna make millions upon millions of dollars on that franchise. So I think to me personally, the ninety five movie had a bigger impact than the two thousand seventeen. Not saying it's gonna be bad or like it's not gonna do impact wise, but Everybody remembers Avenues. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. No, Literally, no. I mean, when we saw that, that oh, photo, so bad. when we saw that photo of Apocalypse when we were first, when we were first, I think everybody said Avenues. everybody saw it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. So I mean, you know, I think what you say makes definite sense and really kind of helps solidify. I think, like I said, for me, I, I guess, you know, I think I was more thinking about like intentionally. What are they trying to do? Right. Um, because, you know, I think they really had something established. And like you said, it solidified that I think they're in the process really, I kind of see power Rangers doing what Ninja Turtles did. And like, you know, they're, they're still, you know, there's a cartoon out there. They, they've tried to kind of revamp the movies and I feel like power Rangers is trying to do the same thing. Um, and I think it kind of has the same sort of effect. It's, um, I guess kind of popular, but not nearly, not nearly what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, I definitely agree with you on that. All right. So to kind of wrap things up here, what was your favorite episode or episodes that you remember? So it's really easy to go with the green with evil you know, five part five-parter because yeah. that's awesome. But, um, you know, I think everybody knows that my favorite episode, because I, I like numerous other people, you know, was a huge fan of the green ranger. And I was like beside myself ecstatic when he joined the team. And then when his green candle burnt out, I about lost my mind. Um, <laughs> the green, no more series. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, 
it was, you know what I liked about that too is then do you remember when Rita and Zed and it might have been I I don't think it was Rita's brother yet Rito but um they got the um they like made the candles for the other Rangers coins as well. And it's just so funny, like looking back, like because of the, you know, the whatever financial situation, like, Hey, you know what? Let's just burn these candles. And when these candles are done, then their powers are gone. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, good. Yeah. You know, good, good idea. But, uh, what is it? Um, Dollar tree, Dollar tree. And buy the worst (laughs) candle ever. Right. Um, I think for me, my favorite episode of all time is the return of the Green Ranger from season ooh, two, later in season two. And that was when um, Rita and Zed made a clone of Tommy. And what it eventually did, but they called him Tom Oliver instead of Tommy Oliver. Oh yes, nice, right? yes, I remember this. Yes. So what it did is it pitted the Green Ranger versus the White Ranger. And yep. because those two were always my favorite. So to have the Green Ranger versus the White Ranger. And then that's also that was the last time except for maybe one other episode that the Green Ranger was there. But in that episode you had all seven Rangers because the green and the white and the rest of them. And then you also had the tiger sword and the dragon sword. It was just like the coolest thing to me because it was like my two favorite Rangers in the same episode. And seeing it all at one time. Oh yeah. Just like Batman versus Superman. Exactly. Dawn like of Justice. Yes. Mine's a little bit different. Um, it's, it deals with Tommy, but it's more on the like the funny side of it. So my favorite episode for for whatever reason, I guess because as I play sport or whatever, was episode titled "Football Season," and <laughs> it's it, football season. Angel Grove High, and Tommy wants to try out for the football team, but doesn't know football. It's like the worst storyline <laughs> ever. How the hell do you not know football? You live in the United States of America, and so he tries to get Ernie to teach him how to play. And, and for some reason, Rita decides to try to help Tommy learn football by by kidnapping the rest of the Rangers and creating this like horribly designed fall monster, skeleton and bones, bones is the football helmet and putties. And he's and Tom, Tommy's like hold on to a football while taking out the the putties and stuff. So, oh, it is great! It is straight. <laughs> just dying laughing the entire time because it's like I, I think about it, i'm like did i really sit down as like a a fifth or grader sixth grader or whatever and just like eat this up because it yeah is seriously horrible horrible but some I mean, of the episodes were so bad oh my gosh looking back at it i'm like how the hell did i fall in love with this but like we've talked about it. it's been the toys like it's that addiction of having that stuff and seeing that stuff, that stuff. and the Green Ranger was probably the best thing ever added to the Ranger Rangers. Oh, know? yeah, absolutely. It just, you know, boosted that popularity of that that show tenfold when he when Tommy well, Oliver came on to it. And there's something about that whole, like, 
you know, there's a bad guy, but then they like join the team. But I always think for me, I always have enjoyed the villain. That's like the opposite of the hero, you know, like that's what I enjoyed about the first season. Well, that's what I enjoy about reverse flash. It's like the opposite of flash. And I I don't know, just those sort of things have always been interesting to me. So I think there was that sort of appeal to it as well. And Tom is just a badass. Yeah. I mean, if you ever on um, YouTube or Netflix or whatever, it's in the first season episode. It's in the one of the one of the last ones, but it's called Football Season. Check it oh, out. That's awesome. It's I'm hilarious. gonna have to check that yeah. out later. It's it's fun. I mean, it's a Tommy oriented, you know, centric type episode. So if you're a fan of the Green Ranger, you'll definitely love that. And so, um, that and shout me. out to Jason David Frank too. Remember we met him at. Oh uh, yeah. Where yeah. were we? Um, WizardCon. Wizard Con. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like the coolest, like he's the nicest guy. We'll sit there and, and talk to you. You know, it's not just about, you know, getting his picture and whatever. Like he's a really down to earth guy. Oh yeah. I mean, and a lot of the original Rangers are starting to come back around. Um, I know uh, it was Thai Trang who was Trini. She's passed away. Um, unfortunately in a car accident, but like Austin St. John, Walter Jones, um, Amy Jones Johnson, like David Yost, they are starting to come around more and more to cons. I, I saw Austin St. John and David Yost at Dragon Con last year, and then Amy, Amy Johnson. She was in the cameo appearance with James with mm-hmm. David Frank in the new Power Rangers movie. So it's good, it's good to see the original crew and some of the older, you know, the ones that took over starting to come back into the cons and, you know, getting to see, you know, their fans and stuff like that because they are beloved by a lot of people. And so it's, it's great to see that, especially, um, you know, Jason David Frank, how well he, he is with his fans and everything, because you, you know, you and I have gone to a lot of cons and he draws a quite a crowd. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, the lines for him, for people just to wait for his autograph is, are, you know, ridiculous. And then, you know, to get a picture with him, with him we were lucky and being able to do so. It's just amazing. So, yeah, uh, that kind of wraps it up for, up for us. Um, next week, we'll we'll dive into another show that kind of took over our childhood, you know, m- you know, euphoria and took over all our money and everything like that. Um, so, um, and if there's a show or a movie or anything from, you know, 80s, 90s, what early 2000s, whatever that, you know. You fanboys and fangirls want us to kind of go over, you know, if it's something that we're familiar with, um, just uh, let us know in the comments and we'll definitely, we'll definitely give it a shout out. Yes, definitely. We'll do that. Um, just to wrap things up, Mark, what is something you've been watching or, or is there something anything that you've been watching this past so, week or so? It's not, so I really haven't watched a lot this past week, but what I'm going to watch is, uh, that'll be on Netflix, I believe tomorrow, is Castlevania. Ooh, yes, that comes out, that does come out tomorrow. Finally, I have been, like, on the countdown for that because it was one of my favorite um, NES games, and I've just, everything I've read about it sounds just amazing. You know, when I first read it and I was, I was a little pissed that it wasn't live action, but then they were talking about how it's even though it's, you know, quote unquote cartoon, uh, but at the same time, um, it's more of like they said Game of Thrones esque. And I was like, all right, I'm going to need to get me uh, into this. So I'll be I'll be watching that for sure. Yeah, because so, you're not really big you? into the uh, anime scene. Yeah, no, I just and it's nothing against it. I've just never really 
gotten into it. Yeah. I it's it's nothing like it's not that I don't you know it's nothing personal. I just have never gotten into it. But it's Castlevania. I can't turn it down. Is it your favorite all time NES? Um, it's, it would be my second, um, Zelda, you know, Link and, uh, Zelda take the, take the top, top spot, spot there, but Ca- yeah, but Castlevania is, is the, is right there. So, so when Netflix announces that there'll be a Zelda show and stuff like that, we basically won't see you ever again. Yeah. You, yeah. You would never hear from me ever again. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the, not really show, but um, it was a documentary. I'm really big on Netflix and seeing their documentaries for some like it just, it's I I, I don't know. I just I'm a documentary type person. Um, I watched uh, last week and I'm actually watching it for a second time around. Counterpunch, it's mm. a documentary on the evolution of boxing and where it's at today. Basically, with the hype of the Conor McGregor and Floyd oh, yeah. Med- Floyd Mayweather fight. You know, I've kind of gone away from boxing, you know, as a kid, I was into it, you know, in the Mike Tyson days and so forth, Evander Holyfield, even Lennox Lewis, I followed a lot, but it's, you know, the popularity has gone down. So I, you know, I wanted to check this documentary out and it's really entertaining. Um, It's really sad to see how a a sport has become so corrupt um, and basically uses boxers just, just, you know, and it's, it's it's sad to see you know the the sport that I grew up not necessarily loving but you know just admiring some of these athletes and so forth and just it's it's sad to see that there's only a handful that make money like Floyd Mayweather and some of the other you know bigger boxers and then everybody else are basically eating you know scraps you know and ramen noodles right. and so forth just to make it by while these promoters are making you know big time bucks off of these fights and everything so it's really interesting to see and if you're somewhat interested in the, in the mayweather mcgregor fight and you don't really really know boxing or the state of boxing i highly recommend it to netflix called counterpunch um check it out so that's it for mark and i this week uh we look forward to this new revamp style show it kind of gives us a little bit more um, to talk about it gives a little bit more research a little bit more organized and it's all thanks to you guys and you know in your comments so if you would please on itunes give us a rating you know hopefully it's a five-star rating or go on soundcloud you can or you know just give us a, a comment you know on lrm online and just let us know how we're doing and we're we're here to to, to continue to grow and aim and try to please you guys, you guys as possible so uh for mark and i that's thank you so much for listening see you Thank you.